So this is the, the third in our uh, mini-series on fellowship, on this whole series of, looking, of living life well um, that we've been looking at this year. And we have this three-verse psalm that is packed with richness. Okay, this is not a bland psalm. Okay, this is like a, a Jamie Oliver dish that is packed full of flavor. Uh, or perhaps it's a, a Greg Wallace MasterChef taste explosion that we're going to experience. And if you've ever thought of fellowship as a really bland kind of word or a bland idea that is just about sharing pleasantries over rich tea biscuits and weak, tepid coffee, then uh, get your taste buds ready for, for what we've got in these few verses. And um, I, I love some of the things that Greg Wallace says on MasterChef uh, about flavor. Here's probably one of the best ones ever. It's like a lemon has just picked you up by the ears and given you a big snog. I'd love to see how they sign that. Uh, another one. Oh, mate, I tell you, that's the sort of thing I would dip my head in. Um, I want to take my shirt off and dive in. So anyway, he loves, he loves to get away. I, I might be bigging this psalm up a little bit too much. Um, uh, hopefully not. And if you do take your shirt off and pick people up by the ears to snog them at life group, that would probably be inappropriate um, as I think about it. But Christian fellowship is something that is precious. It is something that is refreshing and it is a gift from God. So let's have a look at some of the ingredients that we have there. Verse one, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live in unity, exclamation mark. And in fact, the original Hebrew has a word that we don't have there. And it's the word that we translate as behold, exclamation mark, or look, or marvel at the amazing things that we're about to describe, which I think is probably why our version has the exclamation mark in there. There is something that is amazing. And it is how good and how pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. That is the vision. And in a divided nation, within a divided world, that might seem like a very tall order. And yet that is the vision that God has for it. And the psalmist David says it's both good and pleasant. It is good in the sense that it is something that has God's approval about it. And God has put his stamp on it. This is something that is from heaven. This is, this is a, a beautiful thing. It's an excellent thing. It's a beneficial thing for our lives, uh, fellowship and being together. It's not only good, but it is pleasant. It's beautiful. It's, it's, it's sweet to taste. It's, it's good for us uh, in so many ways. It's, it's an enjoyable experience. So it's both good in God's sight, but it also, he recognizes it, it is good for us. It's something we'll be blessed by as we experience it. And uh, when your family is getting along, when you're on the same page in your marriage, when everyone at work on the team is all working together, uh, or when churches or when your sports team is, uh, life is so much more enjoyable. Life is so much more pleasant when people are getting on together and working through this. It is both good and pleasant. There are some things that are good, but are not so pleasant. We, we think about discipline that we work on, you know, the training we might do down the gym. It's good for us, but it's not always pleasant. There are things that are pleasant, there's foods that we could eat that may not be good for us. But actually, this is both of them, it's both and. Um, and so we have that uh, amazing thing. And the early church was remarkable, and initially, anyway, didn't always get it right, but it's unity and uh, fellowship. We read in, uh, in Acts chapter uh, 2 that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. 
Um, it's great that we're, you know, folks gathering to pray this week as part of this blessing. Uh, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. There is a beauty to it. And people out there in the world look on and should want a piece of it because there's something about this community that is special when people live together in unity. Hebrews 13, verses 1 and 2, it says, Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. But it's not just inside, it goes outwards. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. And uh, the people of Israel, when they first read this psalm or when they heard it sung to them, however it came, um, they literally were brothers and sisters together. They were all descendants uh, from, from one father, as it were. They were, they were all related um, through their descendancy. Um, and yet, today it's different. As Christians, though, our common father is God himself. Um, we're born or reborn into his family, and therefore we're brothers and sisters uh, one to another. And there may be massive differences between us, maybe even in this room. Uh, very different, you know, socioeconomic differences, generational differences, cultural differences, the life journeys that we've been on, uh, all sorts of backgrounds. And yet the question that each one of us has to answer is, will we live in unity or we will we live in division? I came across uh, this uh, really beautiful book. Oops, jumping too fast. Simply Eat, it's called. And... Um, it's everyday stories of friendship, of food, and of faith. And it's actually a book about sharing faith kind of around the table and over meals um, and different ways. Uh, one with another as we encourage one another, but also beyond ourselves as we connect with people outside. Um, this is a guy called uh, Manoj. I don't know what's happened to the slide here, but never mind. And uh, he was, uh, grew up as a Hindu. He was a Hindu priest for 20 years. And he says, I, oh, the first time I heard about Jesus was at primary school. And he was intrigued about it at primary school, but carried on in his, in his, uh, in his own kind of faith. But then when the, the financial crash hit in 2008, um, it shook them uh, as a family. He was a business guy as well. Um, and also their kids, one of their sons uh, was critically ill. So they went through this real challenge, and it was a Christian family of friends who had regularly invited them round for food, round the table, to, just to get to know them as, as people, who then offered to begin to pray for them in their challenges. And they, they harnessed a number of other Christians to pray for their son in particular as well. And remarkably, they experienced healing uh, in his life. And so as a, as a consequence, they continue to come around the house, continue to have meals, continue to ask questions about this Jesus, and they started to share about the evidence there was for, for who this Jesus was. And he finds himself giving his life uh, to, to God, to Jesus. And so friendship, food, and faith were really important for him. He's now heads up a, a kind of mission organization across the UK um, because he recognizes that these three things are inextricably linked as we cross cultures as we cross differences, as we share our faith with others, as we bring unity, as we do fellowship. And quality time around the table is often uh, a gaping hole in Western culture. You know, in our busy lives, we often don't have the time uh, for it, perhaps, as we should. But sharing food, giving hospitality, and receiving hospitality uh, are profound ways of connecting with one another and honoring one another. And it is good but it's also uh, pleasant. Food was really significant in Jesus' uh, fellowship uh, and in his ministry. In fact, the three big events that we think of in Jesus' life all have meals associated with them. We have the crucifixion. 
And uh, he has the Last Supper up in the upper room where he gathers the disciples. Um, there is the resurrection where he appears to the disciples and he comes to them and cooks breakfast for them on the beach. There's his second coming when he returns and he set up a huge banquet, a kingdom banquet for everyone to celebrate. Okay, it's a key part of how he did ministry. And uh, you can apply these key elements to every part of our lives. We can, we can apply it to our families. Um, as we eat together, as we share lives together, to you know, if you if you're married or partners, whatever, um, you know, getting out for a meal just to chat about stuff in life, in your life group, in your community group, but also in mission, in our workplaces, in our sports teams, however it may be, food and and fellowship is a key way of sharing lives uh, like that. As we seek to reflect and celebrate the diversity that we have across this city, um, it is a wonderful way. Uh, to do that. And so I want to encourage us all, and myself as well, um, to, to kind of think about somebody that I could invite around or get to know a little bit better that perhaps I don't really know. You know, someone in the church, perhaps, um, somebody from a different culture in the church, uh, somebody uh, even outside of the church that I can invite around and just, just get to know a little bit and have some food together um, as a way of celebrating uh, who they are and, and whatever their backgrounds might be. So I don't know if you're ready to take your shirt off and dive in yet, but uh, there's a, a suggestion. Um, I came across, again, in this uh, book, um, a thing called liming. I know if you're from the Caribbean, you might know about this. And I love this from their culture. And this guy, James uh, Ingram, talks about it. And he says, as I was growing up in the Caribbean, food was always important. I soon learned that getting together to do nothing but eat, drink, and socialize, liming, as they call it, was vital to our community and way of life. This was never more evident than on excursions to the seaside. He says, only Caribs would rise at ridiculous times of the morning, board sweaty coaches, and head travel to some of the most wonderful beaches in the world, only to sit in a hall or banquet room and consume copious amounts of food. He says, it wasn't actually the food that made it worth missing these amazing beaches. It was the preparation. It was the making it. It was the sharing it together. Sometimes uh, talking, reminiscing, talking about life, shedding a tear, reflecting on what has happened. And over time, he says, I realized that coming together around food could often do more to heal wounds um, than any actions or words could do. Many who came on these trips were going through tough, challenging times. But whatever the situation, people who came looked different on the way home. I could see it on their faces. Their loads had been lightened because they'd been able to give and open something of themselves through the preparing and the eating of a meal. Liming is not just about eating. It's about sharing who and how we are. And uh, I, I love that kind of uh, way of, of from that part of the world and that culture. The second verse, it is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. And in the modern world, that, you know, that might seem a bit weird, unless, of course, you are a kind of hipster beard oil person. Um, in which case, you know, it's very, it's back in, back in vogue. But I, I kind of prefer this kind of picture, which is, it's nothing to do with beers and oil, but it's just the cascading nature of this verse. Right? This, this is another recipe in this book, by the way. I, I didn't bring it. I meant to bring it, but if you, if you want it, you know. Um, and this is this phenomenon. Just let me read you the description of this one, just as a, as a beside the point. Um, lemon meringue pie, shoe style, deliciously light pastry stuffed with zingy lemon cream, 
all enrobed with Italian meringue. That is amazing, isn't it? And that lemon sauce there just dripping down, it just gives you the flavor of what this verse is. It is, it is a cascading verse of, of, of meaning. And uh, so back to the, the verse. Firstly, it is like precious oil. Um, it comes on the head, then it's on the beard, then it's down off the beard onto the collar of his robe. And the oil of the day was, it was olive oil. It wasn't engine oil, so it wasn't some dirty stuff. It was, it was, it was useful oil. They, they would cook with it. They would use it for refreshment, for moisturizing. Um, they would use it in oil lamps, perhaps. Um, it's a good thing that David is comparing it to. This is not just oil. This is precious oil. It's the same word that's translated good in that verse 1. And again, it is good in God's sight. This, this is something that has God's stamp of approval all over it. It is precious. It's a picture of hospitality. It's a picture of refreshing in our lives. You know, someone comes to your house and you give them a cup of tea, perhaps, to refresh them. At the end of the service, um, there's refreshments uh, available. And uh, in these days, then it was a little bit of oil for the head, some water for the feet would refresh people in the dry, hot, dusty kind of culture and country that they were in. But it's not just on the head. There's so much of it that is falling down onto the beard. Okay, there's a quantity issue here. There's a generosity issue here. It is running down uh, in a remarkable way. It's something that comes down from God, from heaven to earth, from God to us. Um, it is something that God blesses us with. As James says, every good and perfect gift is from above. And so God pours out his blessing from heaven and it flows down to us. And so Christian fellowship is like oil poured on the head, running down on the beard. Okay, Christian fellowship is precious. Christian fellowship is refreshing. It is a gift from God, and it is incredibly generous, um, is what he's saying here. But it doesn't even stop there. You know, that's only halfway through the verse. It actually, it runs down on the beard, but it's not any old beard. It's, it's Aaron's beard. And Aaron was the high priest. And so God required that a very special type of oil, the anointing oil, would be used only on the high priest. And we have another set of ingredients in Exodus chapter 30. There you can see there's this olive oil with a, a fragrant blend of all sorts of other things, myrrh, cinnamon, uh, and other spicy type things in there. And it is for the priest only and for the sacred implements in the temple. It is a special formula special ingredients, specific amounts. It is really special stuff. It is really sacred stuff. And so the teaching point of this is that fellowship amongst Christians is or should be like, unlike anything else we see in the world. It is something that is unique. It is something that is special and sacred because it is a fellowship that is around and united around the person of Jesus Christ. When we gather together, where two or three gather, there I am amongst you, says Jesus. Um, and Aaron also points to the ultimate high priest, who's Jesus, you know, the head of the church. And so we have Aaron's head here, but Jesus is the head of the church, and we are the body um, that comes from that. Jesus should be at the center whenever we gather in Christian fellowship. The truth is, he is. We need to acknowledge it. You know, as we gather here today, Jesus is present. Jesus is here by his spirit. You know, that's why at the end we can pray for people, whatever your situation, whatever your need. Jesus is here and he only wants to bless because that is the truth of it. 
when we gather in Christian fellowship. And uh, so Jesus is the head and our unity um, is in him and we are united in him. So as a, as a couple, for example, in Ephesians, it talks about marriage. When a couple grow closer to, to Jesus, they grow closer to one another. You know, as we as, as disciples grow closer to Jesus, we find ourselves being more and more uh, united one with another. And then back in the psalm, the oil continues, and it continues down onto the collar of his robe. And the significance of this is seen back in Exodus 28 and uh, verses 9 to 12, where Aaron, as the high priest, um, wore this thing called an ephod, which is some kind of fancy, elaborate garment um, that he would wear. And on the shoulders of the garment, there would be these two stones. Uh, one of them would have six of the, the tribes on, and the other one would have the other six of the tribes. So Joseph and the, his 11 brothers, the 12 of them all together, were there representing the 12 tribes of Israel, representing the entire people of God. And it's onto them that the, the oil drips. It's onto them that the blessing comes. So this is saying this blessing is for everyone. It is for all the people of God as we are united in Christ. So come and join in. This is where God's blessing um, is. Um, and, and we know that oil is also a picture of the Holy Spirit, you know, that was poured out upon Jesus on his baptism. He then pours it out on the day of Pentecost upon the church um, so that we can be blessed. This is a, an anointed fellowship. The Spirit, it is a Spirit-inspired fellowship that the world should look on and say, I want something of this. There's something about you guys that, that I want to, to get in on. Um, it's a fragrant, sweet-smelling thing. And then verse 3, uh, we have another metaphor here. It is as if the dew of Hermon was falling on Mount Zion. And so Mount Zion is, is up in the north. I did a bit of Google mapping for us. Uh, there's Mount Hermon up in the, in, the, in the top there. So today it's on the border of kind of Lebanon and Syria, and its southern slopes located in the kind of Israeli-occupied Golan Heights. But it's well north of Jerusalem, um, as you'll see from that map. It is very high. It's 9,000 feet or more. 2,800 meters, so it's snowy in winter. But even throughout the year, because it is so high and so cool, then it gets this really heavy dew in the morning. It's wet, wet grass in the morning. So even in the summer, the whole area is pretty green and lush. Okay, it's a, it's a kind of nice part of the, the country to be. Um, whereas Mount Zion, on the other hand, is down in the south in Jerusalem, and it's more of a hill. It's about a quarter of the size of Mount Hermon. It's kind of the high point of Jerusalem, uh, two and a half thousand foot. And in the summer, it gets very little rain. It stays pretty hot. and There's not a lot of dew there. And so Mount Hermon is the big peak in the north. Mount Zion is the minor peak down in the foothills down in the south. And wouldn't it be amazingly refreshing if for one day, the dew that lands on Mount Hermon landed on Mount Zion in this dry, dusty kind of place? And that's what David says. He says, that's the refreshment that comes from Christian fellowship. That's the vision he has for it. That is the difference it makes in our lives. Again, it's a picture from high to low, from heaven to earth, a gift from God that he has blessed us with and given to us. And so Ephesians 4 verses 2 and 3 says this, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love, and make every effort to keep the unity uh, of the Spirit through the bonds of peace. So unity is a gift from God. Christian fellowship is Spirit-inspired, and yet we have a responsibility together to keep the unity of the Spirit, to make every effort. 
And that requires us to have humility. It requires us to be gentle, to be patient, to bear with one another, to be loving and peace-loving. And the geography of kind of Mount Hermon and Mount Zion, and then being united with the Jew, if you like, in this kind of image, also reminds us that we are one in Christ. That the Hermon is big, Zion is little. You know, there is unity of the great and the small, um, of the high and the low, of the north and the south. Even the Midlands can get in on it. Okay, Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. James, in chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, talks about those who, um, they're basically uh, Christians who have been persecuted and find it very difficult to get work because of the persecution. And he says this, believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position because they're seated in the heavenly places. But the rich should take pride in their low position since they will pass away like a wild flower. And so no matter what our background, no matter what our gender, no matter what our culture, no matter what our status in life, we are all one in Christ Jesus. We are all brothers and sisters in Jesus. And the reason is so that we can refresh one another, that we can encourage one another. And there is nothing else like this on the earth. For there, the Lord bestows his blessing. There, he commands a blessing upon his people. God will give his blessing wherever believers live in unity. So if you want God's blessing in your life, if you want God's blessing in the church, uh, in your group, you know, in your team, in your family, in your marriage, then we need to live in unity. And that requires us to be people who will love one another. It requires that we be people that apologize, that we, we reconcile where we can, that we forgive um, when we need to. And, but that's not something we can do easily. That is not something we can do apart from Jesus. We need him as well. And it's as we focus on Jesus as the head and as we yield to God's spirit working in our hearts um, that we can live like that. So yes, it is a gift and it is a precious gift. And yet we have these responsibilities and the responsibilities are to love, to apologize, to reconcile, to forgive. And usually that means going on doing so um, because it's a bit like that. And then lastly, God will bless us with even life forevermore. The blessing of Christian fellowship and unity is, is a foretaste of heaven. Um, we see in part but unlike the morning dew that just evaporates with the morning sun, this lasts forever. God's blessing lasts forever.